What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, behaves. Uh, man, I, I, it's been a couple days. Uh, I watched it. You, you showed some self restraint. You waited until Belichick and Saban HBO special aired. I watched it on my, uh, laptop once it had aired East coast. But, um, I felt like I was like listening to the ham pot. I was like, God, this is, why does all this stuff sound so familiar? It's, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast right now probably felt that way. It was good. It was really good. Saban, I mean, I, Belichick, Haberman, Middlecoff. I'd have been down to have it gone for like three hours. I know. So it was, they wouldn't have. Well, clearly, they just kind of threw it together, right? It was just like, hey, I'm coming to the pro day. They knew they were going to film it. He goes to the pro day every year. It really wasn't that. Like, it was kind of raw, right? They just went to his house after and just kind of bullshitted. And Bill, Nick, my main takeaway, not that we didn't know this, but Nick... Kind of loves the limelight, you know. He's a little showier, you know. You could you feel his growing up poor, now super rich. He talks about it all the time with his dad in the gas station. Where Bill is just, I, I mean, if you didn't follow football at all and you just sw- saw pictures of him or video of him at something, you would not know he's the head coach. <laughs> you would not know he's the most accomplished coach ever. You would not know that he's got fifty million in the bank. To me, one's the all, and now I'm not trying to diminish Nick as a smart guy because clearly defensively he's really smart. But Nick to me is a little more grit, anger, and just gusto and just craziness where Bill is kind of like an intellectual elite who's <laughs> just outthinking you. Yeah. Who has that in him? But that scene guy where he was like talking about the special teams just to his entire team about like what they're going to do, I kept trying to follow it. I'm like, I don't even know what you do here. You know, and and Brady's behind, kind of nodding his head. He's like, if we're up four and they're going to onside it and we put out the hands team, he's just coming at you well, rapid poor, speed and you got to fucking be ready. The poor guy who gets hit, you could tell like it was building to the big guy right in the middle of the fo- right in the middle of the image getting asked yeah. the next question. And he knew, I felt like he kind of knew it was coming to him. So he was kind of ready for like, the, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I would, I would, yeah, that means I got to be ready for that coach. 
He he kind of knew it was going to get to him, and Bill kind of threw him a softball, right? Bill had yeah, set the well, whole he's like, thing what do you, up. He's like, "What do you think, Bubba?" <laughs> Bill had set the whole thing up so Bubba would know what to say. But uh, yeah. it was interesting because it had nothing to do with anything other than it was. A, here, here's a quick teaching point, guys. Here's why we do what we do. But I saw Dustin Fox had tweeted the video out, or maybe Instagrammed it, and I would just DM him. I'm like, I don't think people understand just the basic like level of detail on the little little shit. Like this guy's the head coach. You know, usually they're worried about offense, defense. He's on everybody. Brady's standing right there about little shit. About onside kicks late in games. Well, it's just... Did you see... I, I, I left that thinking Bill's even more brilliant than I already thought he was. How about the thing that was not related to that, but the NFL 100 about Ed Reed picking off Peyton Manning? Did you see that video? It shows you Ed's a freaking genius, too. But did you see how, how he started... Bill... How he faked him out, and then, but he never broke stride? Bel- yeah, Belichick was like... Wanted to say, like, Collinsworth, I don't think you understand. Like, Belichick kept saying it's one of the greatest defensive plays I've ever seen. Like, Bill So, doesn't... Peyton Manning pump fakes to the side, thinking that Ed Reed would think then he's going to go to the other side. Right. So, Ed fakes him out, thinking that he thinks that Peyton Manning thinks what he's going to do. Really, though, he knows he's going to stay on the same side. So, he curls off in the middle of the field. While it looks like he's going over there, he never breaks stride, and then he picks the ball right. off pretty easily. So Ed, so, Ed knows that he has a tell, which is what he does with his hips. So, he gives Peyton the thing that Peyton knows that he does. So, that's, you know, he knows himself, right? He knows what Peyton is smart enough to see about himself, on about Ed. And Ed's like, I know he's going to be looking at my hips. So, I'm going to open him up, and I'm going to come all the way back and uh, make a play. And Bill was just... For, for Bill Belichick to say something multiple times is one of the greatest plays he's ever seen. I'm going to go ahead and buy that. Yeah, it was uh, it was a remarkable guy. It was uh, – it makes you also think how fucking smart Manning and Ed are just playing these mind games. Like the level of mind games that go on with the great players. Because I think sometimes the plays that are made are just – I wouldn't say luck of the draw – but, you know, maybe a coach is like, watch out for this. Well, how about the two watching out the, for that? The two a touchdown kinda, when he took over for Jalen Hurts at the end of the game? Oh, when he just kind of threw it in the back of the end zone. That <laughs> was. He did make the, the play that he threw the game winning touchdown against Georgia yeah. was pretty sweet. He also almost threw a pick earlier in that game that no one remembers. But didn't it look like also, and maybe it's because of all the games that they won or lost in big spots, that was the one Bama game I feel like over the era where it's like, they're getting their ass kicked. Remember that at halftime of the national championship? Yeah. How happy Nick was once he hit the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Was it overtime or just the end of regulation? Uh, I th- thought it was the end of regulation. Might have been the end of regulation. And Nick just just sprinted, like super happy. Did it go to – like, I feel like that play was further than a 35-yard touchdown. Yeah, me too. So, regardless, it was – it was a crazy decision. Because Nick even kind of justified it. He's like, listen – I had it. It was an option on my paper, but I wasn't going to the game looking to do it. But I was ready to do it if I had to do it. Yeah, and clearly, um, yeah, clearly he had thought about it a lot, right? Well, he, Tua had been playing that year. Remember, they had been doing the quote-unquote splitting time, not in just throwing Tua in garbage time. Like he would just get series yeah. in the middle of like LSU well, games. The thing, Phil Savage your buddy Phil, who's been on the pod. But Phil, because you could hear the clip, like Phil says it during the game broadcast. I wonder I wonder if Nick's going to consider going to the other court, going to Tua here. So clearly they had talked about, like Nick had told him, right? Like, hey, I I might go to Tua. Or Phil, Phil just knows Nick well enough. 
And then Nick was like, and I had forgotten this. Nick was like, God, you know, we had so many playmakers on the outside and we couldn't get them the ball. And then it starts throwing two highlights. It's like Jerry Judy, true freshman. Calvin Ridley, back of the end zone. Future fucking first round pick. Ruggs, true freshman. It's like, they got dudes everywhere. Uh, Josh Jacobs, role-playing running back. It's like, God, that team was stacked. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Promo code HAM. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. They've jumped on the podcast again for next year. That means you guys are supporting and buying the Manscaped. That's great, but if you haven't, jump on it. Lawnmower 2.0 guy. That's what I own. That's what you own. Best ball trimmer in the business. Manscaped.com. Promo code HAM. I have one. You have one. A lot of our listeners now have one. It makes a great uh, Christmas Hanukkah present. Just one of those little side stocking stuffers. Yeah, you don't want to be Hanukkah Harry, you know? You do not want to be Hanukkah Harry. You know, we're not, we're not looking for Santa Claus beard all over our body here. We're trimming that bad boy up. I did it yesterday after a long charge. Use the USB cord. It's really easy to use. Lawnmower 2.0. They got a bunch of other projects. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM, guys. That's right. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Get you 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, right tools for the job. Podcast also brought to you by Seat Geek. It is the easiest ticketing website app. Download the app. We each have it on our phone. Millions of live events. Price match guarantee. Seat Geek proves there is a better way. What's the key, guy? Promo code HAM. Seat Geek. Download the app. Promo code HAM. Seat Geek. Download the app. Promo code HAM. Ten dollars off your first ticket purchase. Uh, we've gone to games. I know we've had a lot of listeners go to games. You download the app. You can search any event. So whether you live in San Francisco, let's say, what's going on at the Chase Center? Warriors games, concerts. And then you can check on the actual seats in the venue. Green means good. Red means bad. Gives you different price points. Uh, Wherever you live, any venue. Comedy, obviously sports, NFL, college, NBA, you name it. I mean, any sport possible, but also like comedies, uh, different concerts, they, they, they do absolutely everything. I've used them. NCAA tournament. Uh, you name it. They got it. Our friends at SeatGeek. Download the app. It's, my, it's one of my favorite apps to use. I just checked yesterday. I was like, I wonder what game's more expensive to get in. The Falcons coming to Levi's or the Raiders last game at the Coliseum. I was like, I bet it's the Raiders. And it was. Yep. I think the cheapest ticket you get in for the Raiders I saw was like 180 uh, I see and, one. Uh, I see one at the upper level 164 164 and I think the Niners was like 120-ish. But, yeah. So Final game you, at the you Coliseum. Want you know they got a doubleheader Sunday? I, I guess it's a tripleheader because we got two football games and then Warriors-Kangs at uh, at Chase Center. I had a buddy that's like, you think I can make the Falcons game, 130 kickoff, watch the game, then get to the Golden 1, or not the Golden 1, the Chase for Kings-Warriors at 530? I'm like, eh. That might be getting out of the Niner game will be the difficulty. Uh, unless you left, you know, probably mid third quarter. Right. That, you could do that. But if right. you tried to watch, if the game's close and you, you'd be screwed. You couldn't make it. Uh, fastest Promo way to find ticket. tickets. Promo code down. Stop searching. Perfect, perfect seat. Big green dot. It makes it so easy. It's Seat Geek. Um, it's it's like you got your ear to the streets. We've both used it a million times. Ten bucks off your first Seat Geek purchase. With the promo code HAM, promo code HAM, trust SeatGeek. 
All right. Um, speaking of that, the question is, will somebody be able to comfortably leave the Niner game in the third quarter? Is this a trap game with the Falcons? Kyle Shanahan, he's had some great teachers. We always talk about his dad. He gives a lot of credit to Dan Quinn. Is this a trap game, Niners-Falcons, on Sunday for the Niners? When I, just see, the, when I see the number, 11 feels a little strong. That's just a point given spread. This, yeah, as the point spread. This team's won, the Falcons, that is three of the last five games. They've just scored some points. The Niners have a ton of injuries. They just, I mean, one of the craziest two-game stretches of the last decade they've had, just in given the intensity of it, on the road, staying on the road. The total, you know, if you if you factor in the two games, they lost by three in Baltimore, won by two, so they're minus one point differential of the two best teams in the league. Like, you would just think they're just, God damn, they're exhausted. I think 11 points a little strong, but the Niners are 11-2 and two for a reason. They've been one of the best teams start to finish. The Falcons' defense isn't very good. I think even if the Niners' defense these next couple weeks with all these injuries just becomes a little more quote-unquote average relative to what they've been, the offense is actually relatively healthy, right? You got Jimmy, who's playing the best football of his life. George Kittle's back and kicking ass, taking names. Emmanuel Sanders, shit, looks like Julio Jones for the Niners. Debo's coming on. Mozart's like player of the year for them right now. Tevin Coleman's Breda's back. All their offensive linemen are back. Well, they lost their center, but I, I, I am more confident just because I think the offense is kind of humming. And and then you watch like Monday Night Football, or excuse me, not Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, and I think you just realize, you know what? The Ravens are really good on defense. So it was really hard in that game for two reasons. One, their defense is good. It was raining. It's understandable why they were just struggling to score. Because basically every other game beside that the last month, obviously including the Saints, Kyle and Jimmy, they've, it felt like they've been humming, right? Yeah. Even in, I, even in that Seattle game, one of the big knocks on that game right after the game, remember, it was like, well, they left 140 yards on the ground with or on the, in the passing game with drops. Or it was like 125. Remember, it was a huge number. Right. It wasn't like, well, they had 30 yards of drops. They had 100 plus of drops. And they've kind of tightened that up. Well, the, other, the reason I don't think it's a trap game is that I think it's so easy if you're the Niners. Like you said, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, I wouldn't, I'm not overlooking the Falcons, and then they, then they lost like two days later. But So there's that, and I think you, you said it before the podcast, if you were Kyle Shanahan, you'd be just looping the uh, Falcons-Saints game on, in, on all the TVs in the facility just to remind everybody how, how the Falcons played the Saints, the team that they just played. But the other part of it is, like, you just know if you're the Niners, and I, this just applies every week, you just have no margin for error, whether it comes to trying to win the division, making sure that the Week 16 and Week 17 games are games that you, give you an opportunity to win the division and just getting the one seed, getting a first-round bye. The West is on the line with every game. The one seed and uh, the two seed even are on the line in every game you play. So I think there's a lot of reason – to be locked in if you're the Niners. You remember 2016, the year the Warriors won 73 games? When they were at like 55 and 6 or 7 at one point, it was just a stupid number. And it was like, God, they're three games up on the Spurs? And then you look down, and I just Googled it. I People forget that is the most underrated 67-win team in NBA history. Is it not the San Antonio yep. Spurs, the year the Warriors won the 73 games? Because they... They were on – how many teams in NBA history have – I mean, the Warriors, the first team to ever win 73 games, 
and only get the one seed by six games. It's crazy. <laughs> that, that's kind of what the NFC... I'd say the NFC changed a little bit the moment the Niners beat the Packers because for the Niners, they truly now control their own destiny. They beat the Packers. They beat the Saints. So if they end up with the same record as them and the NFC West, they're going to get the better seed because they beat them head-to-head. Now, really, their only goal now is... And with Seattle losing a game, they can technically lose one of these next two games as long as they win that game. Then I think it does get to some of those weird tiebreakers, potentially. Yeah, Which the Niners, didn't we figure out, would lose... Depending on strength of uh, opposition, yeah, because they got the Redskins and the Seattle had the Philly or the Eagles, and there was one other team like Tampa, and yeah, it gets a little not Tampa. Was the, but did you say Lions? The Redskins? Wasn't it the Lions? I did not say the Lions. No, it was the Redskins, and it was one other team. Packers. Yeah, the Niners played the Redskins and the Packers. They played the Lions and the... Vikings? It was the Vikings and the Eagles are their two teams. Okay. So that's a problem because the Eagles are probably going to go like 8-8. Eight and eight, And the Vikings are going to be a playoff team. So like their strength of schedule beating those teams, right, with their better record would give... If they ended up both 12-4 and four and the Niners win that last game. So that's it's a double whammy for the Niners. Like you'd like to win that last game and finish a game up. To me, best case scenario for the Niners, you win these next two weeks. Seattle drops another game. You got a two-game lead going. That game doesn't mean shit, and you can just what would you do? You wouldn't totally throw that game. Like if you were locked into the one seed going into Week 17, would they rest a lot of guys? Because you're getting the buy too. You don't remember the Colts did that that one year, and it kind of bit them in the ass. They're like, "Yeah, we just we took too much time off." It's a hard balance, but I'm I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. Just see if they can win this week. Yeah, the problem is you're just so beat up. How many bodies do you have? You don't really. You can't cut guys to like let practice squad guys play. It yeah, a little more complicated. I, I you probably would like give Jimmy a half, right, and maybe give Nick Mullins a second half, something like that. But like, okay, uh, don't play Tevin Coleman. Well, who's going to be a running back? Well, Breda. You know, it's like, you, this isn't college. There's not 100 guys. You, your guys that dress are, well, it's like, uh, Breda, no, Breda, Breda, wide receiver. Breda gets to rest because he's hurt. He's beat up. So then you just ride Mozart? You want no, him no, to No, no, no. I'm riding Te- Tevin Coleman. If you were to rank guys, running backs of importance, wouldn't you put Breda and Mozart ahead of him right now? Uh, I mean, I still have a lot of faith in Coleman in big spots. I mean, he's been playing Super Bowls. He's a really good player. I, I, I need all three of them. Yeah, Mozart's the best right now. Mozart. But Mozart. Um, Guy, Mozart is really good. Like, his, his plays aren't just like, oh, I just, you got some. Like, no, he's a good, he's perfect for the scheme. He's one of those guys that, I don't know when he's a free agent. Some team's going to pay and he won't look as nearly as good. It's like, yeah, he works in this scheme. Remember, like, Chip Kelly signed DeMarco Murray, and then, like, three weeks in, they're like, they hated each other? Yeah. It's like, yeah, Chip, you should have realized this doesn't work in your fucking offense, buddy. Um, the other part of it is just I think this is – everything that happens this year because the Niners play so many meaningful games are all kind of check mark – check uh, check marks? Check posts? Check way stations? For Kyle Shanahan, right? Everything he – a lot of these things that he's doing are first-time things for a head coach, even though he's been here a couple years previous. 
but never at this level. So here's a game. All right, you played the Ravens game. How do you play the next week after a heartbreaking physical loss against a team you got to beat? Loose, free, easy, great. Okay, just two. You're coming down off these massive highs. You just spent two weeks on the road playing the best teams in the league. Now you got the Falcons at home. How does your team look? How do you play this game? Like these are all things that are part of us, everybody, getting to see who Kyle Shanahan's football teams are, who he is as a head coach. Isn't there something to it, though, also, like, you guys are just tired, you know, so it's, you get to a certain point of the season. And hurt. Tired and it's hurt. Really, it's really, it's tired, hurt. Think about next week, guy, they have a short week. For a team with a short week, you know, they haven't had their bye forever. I, I think if you're Kyle, you have to be thinking, we got to throw the kitchen sink to get that first round bye. Because of all, yes. all of our chances to win this whole thing this year, which if we can be healthy, we have as good a chance as any team in the league. It, we would be fighting a huge uphill battle if we don't. If we throw the kitchen sink at these last three games, lose week 17, don't win the division, and then have to try to win three straight games to win the NFC on the road, right? It'd be like, well, <laughs> be a problem. Is he? Uh, does he still have a chance at coach of the year, or does John Harbaugh have that sewn up? Uh, well, I was watching last night when they were interviewing Ingram and Lamar after, and and Mark Ingram said something that made me think, we're the this is back to back NFC or AFC North champions. Guy, they won the division last year, so yeah, they're having an unreal season, and they're probably have the MVP on their team. But they didn't win the division last year. Last the night, you know, the Niners have Nick Bosa. Why they drafted second overall? Does that factor in at all? Because I'm not trying to take anything away from yes. John, and I'm not going to complain if he wins it. But fuck. But couldn't I counter if, that? If they where, get the, they'd have to get they have to get the number one overall seed. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I'm. First of all, I, I agree with you there. Couldn't you counter like what happened last year? Generally, doesn't matter. We argued about this all the time with Alabama this year. Like what they did last year, how good they've been in the past is irrelevant when it comes to this college football playoff. I agree, but I also think like. Coach of the Year award, for example, there was a debate about what who should have won it in the Pac-12. Kyle Whittingham won it, but he also had a bunch of guys on the first team All-League. And some people think, well, he had a bunch of good talent, so he didn't. Why should he can't be the Coach of the Year? My thing is like, you're the coach. Like if your players perform well, you get credit for that. You don't get discredit. I don't. The difference they went to Lamar Jackson. That was part of last year, but it's also a big part of this year. He's been great. They drafted him. Like I'm not saying it's a three-year award for John Harbaugh, but all those things are the context to me. I think a lot of times this award is, we thought you were going to suck. Thanks for not being terrible. Now, I feel like it's more so that in college, in the NFL, the the achievers do often win the award, but not the greatest. Like, Bill... Bill hasn't won it every year, so... What did did Saban say? High achievers don't like losers, and losers don't like high achievers. (laughs) It's a great quote. I, I, different word for losers, but I'll just throw in losers. Yeah. So when you are expected to be great, this is why, like, I would have, in college football, there's plenty of people who could, a handful of really good candidates this year, right? Eddie O won the award, but Matt Rule could have won it. Um, I think uh, uh, PJ Fleck could have won it. Hell, Dabo could have won. I mean, like, Dabo, Day, like, there's a bunch of guys. Eddie O, people say to you at LSU, you better be good. And then they were great. And, when you're the mountaintop, you got to climb yourself. Uh, I give you credit. So, like, but but look at for ADO, like, right? He was the head coach when they took Joe Bray or uh, Joe Burrow. 
he went out and hired Joe Brady. Had the guts to he change went, his offense, right. Change his offense. He was the head coach when they fucking beat Alabama, Florida, Texas, Georgia. Like his, to me, he was, he's on like a higher level version of, of Whittingham, but both of that, like that's part of being a head coach, what those two guys did. And I agree with John Harbaugh. I, I have no issue with it. I also think Kyle, given how many injuries they've had, it's really impressive. I still think if the Steelers, we'll probably touch on this game a little later, if they finish 10-6, and six, because it's also in context of what happened to you that season, mm-hmm. they lost Roethlisberger week one to Tommy John surgery. He now looks like about 340 pounds with a Grizzly Adams beard, and they're playing with a guy that if you would have said in August, Haberman hey, Middlecoff, what are your what's your scouting report on Duck Hodges? I mean, he would have been laughed at. Like, what? Who? And he's he's winning games with them. They play Sunday night football. Like, what if the Steelers go ten and six with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph? That's I might argue that is more impressive than either Kyle or John because last year we saw Kyle once Jimmy went down they couldn't even function. Right? Yeah i I think that's legit. I'm just saying I also think. If the Niners are the one seed, you have the elite, the elite level production, and now not quarterback injury like Tomlin, but you have had some level of adversity that you've had to deal with. You work him in, you go get Emmanuel Sanders, work him in. Well, if you were if you were voting on it, wouldn't I go? If you're if you're too, you're like I think the two strongest candidates are Harbaugh and Kyle. I'd be like, well, do they play this year? If I was just a novice, didn't know much about it, and you yeah. said yes, I'd be like, who won? Like, well, the one guy won in a walk off field goal. Like, well, wouldn't he get the vote then? He beat the other guy. Yeah. If they've had similar the same seasons, right? Yeah. They both go fourteen and two or thirteen and three. They played and one guy beat him. In a in a great game. It's true. You could make that the tiebreaker. I'd have no Cause big it, issue. Because again, that. it's I flipped on the television yesterday and they were talking about the Heisman and it was like Herbie and Fowler, you know, they you're just doing this long like college football biography show. It's really cool. And one thing Fowler was saying is, like, they kind of like that there aren't any descriptions on the Heisman. Just kind of on you, you know? It's like just the best college player. But there's not, like, the most touchdowns. It's not a stat award. It's kind of an intangible award. It's a subjective award. And I think coach, to me, coach of the year feels a much more subjective than even, like, the MVP, right? John, that's why I like the Outland Trophy. Because it's offensive linemen and defensive linemen that can win the award. Like last year, Quinnen Williams won the award. This year, Panay Sewell won the award. I bet that award. That's pretty bad. That, it's just like, you are the baddest big dude in all of college football. I well, did it doesn't, a, edge rushers can't win it. But. I did a, like on the three and out podcast, just a topic on, you know, the crazy part about the Heisman Trophy is that for the most of these guys, their best moment, and you and I have talked about this, will be the Heisman Trophy. You just look back at like the last 10 years. Beside really... Cam Newton, most of the guys like Jameis, Mariota, Kyler Baker, like is their careers ever going to be better than that moment and that those years at Oklahoma? Well, Derrick Henry's kind of an outlier. Like his career is starting to be really good. Mm-hmm. But Joe Burrow, more than likely, this might be the peak of his life, right? Because you'd say 50-50 chance he's just will never live up to being the number one overall pick. I bet if we did a study on the Outland Trophy winner, <laughs> it's fucking... The well, Joe Thomases yeah. and Aaron Donalds. And no, just, I looked at the list earlier. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's got to be a lot of all-pro awards on that bad boy. Haloti Nadas. I, I bet it's just stupid. I don't the think Haloti won the – let me see. I was looking at it earlier, and it's like 
you know who's who of like you NFL? know one guy that won it josh garnett i remember was one of the guys that won it yeah and, and just like anything there are going to be some like what who so here's i'll just keep i'll just i mean Penesul, Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, Cam Robinson, Josh Garnett, uh, Brandon Sheriff, Aaron Donald, uh, Luke Jokel, Barrett Jones, Gabe Karimi, Ndamukong Sue, Andre Smith, Glenn Dorsey, Joe Thomas, Greg Esslinger, Jamal Brown, Robert Gallery. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's got a little Heisman feel to it. Bryant right? McK- well, I mean, no, I think that Bryant McKinney, Chris Samuels, Orlando Pace, Jonathan Ogden. Will yeah, they Shields. got more. Hall, they got some more Hall of Famers, I say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big translates. But some of the, I mean, so, wouldn't you say Robert Gallery is much more of a Heisman Trophy type oh, name? Yeah, yeah, you hear yeah, that totally. name, you know, it's totally. like what What was the thing you you were saying that Kyle said something about Dan Quinn, kind of the influence Dan Quinn had on him? Well, I was watching. I was watching his press conference the other day, and he mentioned just about because you know, obviously, in, in these type of weeks, what's it like to play Dan? What was your first memories of Dan? And he said, you know, I didn't know Dan that well. Uh, but I liked his defense, as you can tell. I mean, I it was something that I wanted to hire when I got this head job. But he said that Dan had a huge influence on his coaching career and his life. Because Kyle was saying that, you know, the knock on me was I was a little more negative, and I was just a coordinator. So I was just focused this tunnel vision on trying to score points and basically saying, yeah, I might have been a little bit of an asshole. And he's like, Dan is clearly the opposite. You know, Dan is basically, wouldn't you say Dan's kind of the bald-headed Pete? Like he's really, really positive. Anyone that has that experience, like you, you never hear any bad things. No, about you know Dan. I you heard notice him, like he does. Like I heard him do an interview on NFL Radio about a month ago, and I was I really hadn't heard him talk that much. I was like, damn, I, this guy's really likable. Yeah, he's. Could you argue if he does get fired, like he'll just interview pretty well, and his resume's not terrible. Like who's to say he wouldn't get another job yeah. immediately? Uh, but he was just saying that he had a big influence on his life, and I and I think that the Kyle that. Remember that playoff game was like Packers Falcons and Lynch was calling it with Kevin Burkhart. <clears throat> it was like wild card weekend mm-hmm. or the second weekend of the playoffs. And Lynch was saying this was before his name was being floated. You know, there are some knocks on Kyle that he's, he's kind of mean to people. He's like, I don't really get that vibe. Remember? Yeah, and we, yep. we used it as conversation that I, that really hasn't been the conversation since Kyle's been here. Now, there have been some articles about, you know, the scouting staff and stuff. And I, I think naturally some coaches just don't value scouts as much as they should. But that's that's a little nitty-gritty football stuff, less on, like, no one's really complained about his, the way he conducts himself, carries himself, the way he interacts with players. He doesn't really have this vibe. Now, maybe that will change <clears throat> as they have to make some hard decisions, right, on cutting guys, on trading guys. But he doesn't have a Belichick, and he's just a he's just cold blooded asshole. He'll just get rid of you, throw you to the wolves. Like it seems like the players love him. Right. Now again, he's they have made basically one tough decision in three years, and that was and cutting Laurel Bowman. But like, what happens if like they trade Eric Armstead, who wants to stay, or they franchise him and they won't extend him? You know, it's like they've they're about to have some decisions that usually create some animosity sometimes, right? For the first time with players that already like him. Yeah. But if you're winning, there's not a lot that people can say. That's the other part of it, right? When your stuff's yeah, working. Yeah, but you can but you can win like Bill and just be known like he'll he'll throw you to the wolves. Well, I know, but when your stuff's working, it's harder for people to complain about that. Like what are you supposed to say? Like every maybe it's 
You know what I mean? Like it's hard. Like when you go out and say Belichick doesn't know how to treat me. Like, well, maybe this is a you problem because Bill keeps winning championships, right? When you're losing, like I, I'll tell you this. So Thursday, I said to myself, self, how's John Beeline doing with the Cavaliers? Let's go check in on John. So I did a little Googling, and the answer is not well, John. It's not going good. He uh, is has five wins, I think, and is in second to last place in the East. And not only that, Tristan Thompson is coming to his defense because there was a story that a lot of the players, vets and, and young players, aren't big John Beeline fans. Well, do you see one of the things they're mad at is like, typically you call things like floppy, like you just scream floppy. He screams like polar bear. He has names yeah, for things yeah, that's bothering yeah. them. The, but my point is just like, it's it gets really easy when things aren't going well for people's complaints to be heard. When things are going well, you just people say, "Shut up and take your medicine." I was I ended up on a beeline game about a month ago, and I just tweeted all I tweeted because they were playing like the Sixers. God, John Beeline can coach college pro. If you can coach, you can coach. Yeah, type deal. Yeah. I'm just I'm waiting for like an old take expose or something but, to get that to come but up. You, but but see, like again, you're not wrong. It's clear that it's Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love bitching and moaning when they're having pretty good statistical years. I don't think it's just black and white like Beeline no. is just some clown. It's not. You know? It's not. I remember I said to Mike Montgomery the other day I was doing a game with him and I was like, What was it like when you went to the NBA and the games are forty eight minutes instead of forty minutes? He's like, It's a whole other world. He's like, It's crazy. Because in the NBA, what has happened in the first three quarters is totally irrelevant. doesn't matter. The fourth quarter is when it matters. It's like, I remember we were in Detroit, and Detroit's really good, and we're right there with them. We got them on the ropes, and I'm standing there on the sideline, and I'm thinking, man, we can win this basketball game. He's like, and then you know what happened? They just decided they wanted to win, so they won. He's like, we're playing the Lakers, and we got them right where we want them. We're feeling pretty good. And Then Kobe Bryant decided he just wanted to win the game. And we had nobody that could guard Kobe Bryant. It's like Derek Fisher comes over. He's like, Coach, I can take him. I'm like, all right, Derek, go ahead. Like, Couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. NBA is just a different, it's just a different animal. On top of you just have to have the play. You just have to have play. You don't you have to have good players. Like shocker. John Beeline, it's not going well with the Cavs. Gee, who could have guessed? How many games right. would Greg the, Popovich the, the, win with that team? Extra eight minutes and the shot clock difference, which in his day was way different. Now is what shot clock now thirty? Yeah, so it's they've taken five seconds, but thirty is a lot different. Twenty four, right? Just the pace of everything. There's a lot of in shots. college football. Would you say college football is that much different than the NFL? Beside like the foot rule and the probably the biggest change would be clock stop after first down. Yeah, the clock stops a big one. Just the clock management, right? And then maybe just stylistically, like. You, there's there's just more possessions, generally yeah. speaking, in NFL the game, games. You're right. The game, the sport's a little bit different. You have to. The way I heard Herm describe it once was like, in, although he's trying to change, but in in the NFL, you out- he's trying to be like the NFL, right? In the NFL, it's kind of like the you just try to get you, if you're in a close game in the fourth quarter because you're just every game is close. In college, you just try to score as many points as possible from the yeah. beginning. You're just trying to score, just score, 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 score. Yeah. So maybe it's less of a field position deal in college. I don't know. But 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 I do think that when you look at Kyle Shanahan, would he have been? And this is just like humans. I I think you and I are better off for our experience at the radio station, just professionally understanding how to run a show, and not saying that we're perfect every time. But just 
the experience we had dealing with people there. If I ever get into a situation just dealing with people, just things that I handled well, things I handled differently. Like you are just a product of your experiences. And would Kyle has been of a, as equipped to, to be like he is if he had been around basically the Pete Carroll clone? And they kind of won. So it's, it was a double whammy, right? It's one thing if like you're acting like that and it's not working. Like Gus Bradley, let's say, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they had a shitload of success. I mean, they had a season. Now, Kyle was a big part of it. But where they went 15-1. and one, And at, Kyle's not the one leading team meetings, right? I mean, ultimately, this guy's in front of the team. Like, he's the head coach. And I tweeted the video out the other day about the Navy SEALs. It was something Dan Quinn's big on. Mm. And did you see... I think Chris Mortensen tweeted out the picture like a couple weeks ago that Ron Rivera, when he got fired, like what the first thing he did is he went to the went to the Navy. I guess you know the Navy SEALs where they train is pretty close to probably where he lives, which would actually just be like you got to know some people because I would love to just watch them kind of do some shit. <laughs> but uh, t- Tiger Tiger said I could swing by. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Tiger Rivera Middlecoff. Uh, yeah, Amir, <laughs> what do we, what do we do? Just watch them shoot shit? <laughs> do they like jump over stuff? Like wh- where do I watch the action? Is this a game? Like, can I get some bricks and popcorn? I just want to watch some Navy SEALs kick ass. <laughs> but, but it's like, did you see that? I, I've tweeted the video, but it kind of went viral by a Giants Twitter account. Like, this is what we need. And it was just a clip of Ron Rivera, I think, from that year of All or Nothing mm-hmm. at halftime, just giving like a 45-second halftime speech. And you're just like, whoa, this guy can't command her. I mean, just he's calling guys motherfuckers. He's screaming at dudes. They're down 17. He's talking about how they're getting hit in the mouth and they need to whip out their balls. But he's doing it in like a football coach way that doesn't feel like Greg Williams over the top. But he's dropping F-bombs every other sentence. It was just like, damn, this guy. If if I was interviewing Ron Rivera, the thing I would do if I was Ron Rivera, like before my interview started, I would just put this up on the big screen and press play. This is what I bring to the table. <laughs> like this. Because even Cameron Rowell immediately tweeted right at me like god i'm ready to run through a wall like you just you just see like rivera's bringing something to the table you know and i think that that's not really kyle's deal right he's not in there motherfucking guys like that's just not gonna be that's not gonna be sean mcveigh's deal that's not gonna be a lot of offensive coaches deals you know and that's i I think kyle what makes him kind of unique is he's just he's very comfortable in who he is you know, I think that's the the faster you can be that as a football coach, the more successful you can be. Because I didn't you notice watching Saban and Belichick for they've known each other forever and they work together forever. They obviously are probably the two, besides like Phil Jackson, I don't know, Bochi, like two of the best coaches of you, like our lifetime, right? <laughs> I mean, yet they're kind of they're really different, and I think the way they do things are kind of different. Like Belichick is much more understated at practice. Saban is just God. He's screaming at everybody. But they're also right. Like if Belichick, you're right. It's probably just naturally who they are. But there but is I'm a saying difference. Their personalities college, are a little different. I was just gonna say, like the difference between college and pro too, right? You can't like didn't Saban famous like call out Zach Thomas at a Dolphins practice? Everyone's like, but who are but you I'm just saying like yeah, but that's just who Nick is. Like right. you can't. I don't think he's he wasn't trying to diminish Zach. That's just the way he coaches. Right, 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 right. Right. I I I think sometimes when you go, it doesn't work in the pros. Yeah, maybe it doesn't because, like, that's just kind of who he is. Where it's like Chris Peterson, the argument is why Chris Peterson probably could work in the pros and why I think Brad Stevens in the NBA works in the pros. That's not really their style to begin with. So even when they're at Butler or Boise 
let alone at the Dallas Cowboys or the Boston Celtics. I'm not saying Chris Peterson is going to the Dallas Cowboys, but if he did, he I think he would work because he's not he's not looking to demean these guys in front of the group. Whereas I don't necessarily think Saban is either. It's just it's just the way he knows. Like I just that's the way he thinks works. And in fairness to him, it's always worked. Because I think if you'd ask like Lewis Riddick and guys that played for him in Cleveland with Bill, that he they would say he's no different. I just think it was a little more normal back then, like in the 90s, to just get screamed at. Right. I mean, look at the coaches. Ditka, Parcells, Saban. <laughs> I mean, it was just... I don't. I, I I think that you know historically, like yeah, Bill Walsh didn't motherfuck players because he was motherfucking his assistants. <laughs> People were getting screamed at. Very contentious. Yeah, I just think sports have changed a little bit. People have changed. Well, certainly, what you can say to players has changed. Unless you're certain people, probably right. Yeah. No water breaks. Right now, coach, I can't breathe. Now you're on. Now you you end up suspended. <laughs> Would you see, I just saw the headline and I clicked on PFT's article and it was like Doug Peterson's very disappointed, some random player faked it or refused to say that he had a concussion. Turns out he did have a concussion. It's like, well, of course the guy's not going to say he had a concussion. He wants to stay in the game. Isn't that like all guys say they don't have a concussion? I'm sure privately Doug's like, God, I'm impressed with the guy that he wants to play, right? Privately, Doug is impressed by the guy's willingness to put his body on the line to play. I would imagine that guy earned himself some street cred in the Eagles. Howie will cut him because he's hurt staff. now, but, you know. Uh, yeah, Howie can get injury settlement. <laughs> <laughs> Be out the door. Uh, all right, John, Richard Sherman, finalist for the 49ers for Man of the Year, which actually is a pretty badass award because you get to wear the patch. You see, because Witten has the patch on his jersey, and it's, like, kind of shiny. It's a pretty sweet oh, patch. Oh, you wear, you wear it for the rest of your career. Eli have one. It's badass. Yeah. Um, Richard, I mean, this has gone for all the, there were a lot of questions easy to forget now. Although I think probably a lot of people listening remember about whether or not Richard could play, whether or not he could negotiate his own contract, whether or not a lot of things, it has gone as, I mean, as well as it possibly could have gone, could have gone. He's been healthy. I mean, I know he's got the hammy right now, but he's been healthy. He's been really good. He's been a leader. He's been one of the faces of the franchise, especially before. I mean, it's gone about it. It's it's been a perfect marriage to this point. Yeah, wouldn't you say for every Richard Sherman coming off a major injury that then has like the second act of his career, there are five to six that are just as just it's over. Yeah, like he's he's a shell of himself, never the same. Goes to the wrong team. I, I said to you before the podcast, people forget. I bet Richard doesn't. And I bet the Niners don't. Is he wanted to give the Seattle like the first rider refusal? I remember that. Like, and John Schneider was like, I think kind of just being nice to him. Like they didn't want him back. Like Richard wasn't welcome back. Right. But the other team that was definitely interested and was offering him money was the Detroit Lions. Part of Richard, he bet on the Niners. Now, it's not like he had an unlimited amount of options, and they were, you know, it turns out everyone's Florio's like, you you need an agent, Richard. Well, Richard, he's fucking played every game. He's going to make the Pro Bowl probably. He's going to bank $20 million in two years. It's worked out fine. Wasn't the Pro Bowl Coming bonus one of the things we talked about? Like, ah, uh, it's going to be, that's a pretty risky bonus. And remember, the other one was a lot of his contract was based on playing in games. Yeah. 
and Florio's big deal and all the agents' big deal was like, Richard, you're at the point in time in your career where you don't sign those type contracts. Like, you're Richard Sherman. But it's worked. And Richard's happy, and the Niners are happy. And it was just a tipping point of, would, would their defense be as good? Because I was texting with someone about David Fisdale. And I, I said, what did like, Marcus Thompson, a fraud? What did Marcus Thompson say? No, oh. you know, Chris, you follow Chris Vernon, Memphis guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big golf guy. And I was like, you know, he's like, well, the one thing that I think he does, he definitely did in Memphis that turned Marcus all off, was like, I've been to the mountaintop. I've won championships. Mark's like, yeah, you were an assistant coach for fucking LeBron James. <laughs> like, you weren't the head coach, buddy. <laughs> but clearly, like, David Fisdale has some red flags on him. He tries to act like he's this big winner, and it doesn't work wherever he goes, for whatever reason. And I think sometimes coaching, when you look at the Niners coaching staff, when they're getting up there, Kyle is accomplished, but as a head coach, he's never done anything. Robert Sala's never done anything. When you get Richard Sherman in a room and just go, guys, we need to do this extra on the field. When he looks in the DB room, hey, guys, do this. How many non-quarterbacks are just more famous and have more clout than him in the NFL guy? I mean, seriously. And just a list of guys that have accomplished more are just that level of a human that people just like, are just a tough badass. Like when you just, he's kind of the total package of on the highest level, it was like Charles Woodson. Remember when we were just around him with Oakland, you just felt like this presence. I think Richard, there are a lot of similarities there. They're different personalities, but like when they speak and they don't speak, what's weird about Richard used to talk all the time. Cause wasn't, didn't Joe Staley say on that video, like, I used to hate him, but then you get to know him. You're like, I love yeah. him. <laughs> you know? And I, I think he's much. He's just a mature human. He's older. I remember the when we the first time we saw him as a Niner was at OTA. He wasn't healthy. Everyone was out there running around. He was not ready to come back yet. But you remember we talked about it because we were standing there watching. It. I'm sure we talked about it on this podcast that it was just impressive the way he was operating. He was not standing on the side with his hands behind his back. He was kind of all over the field talking to the young guys, talking to coaches just everywhere and you could feel his presence and you understood that he was not there to collect a paycheck and try to extend his career he was pretty invested in what was happening believed in what was happening when a guy like that particularly for a team that's not very good accepts coaching is bought in it can have a massive impact and uh it has the other thing i kind of feel like i don't you know i i couldn't tell you i haven't really followed how people win this award i kind of feel like Every team has a nominee, so it's 32 guys. I kind of feel like he's going to win it because I definitely feel like he's got a legit chance and this isn't just some hollow nominee. Right? Well, he's just, first of all, and I don't think this necessarily matters, but he is one of the most famous players in the NFL. Right? Now, Cam Newton's nominated. David Johnson's not one of the nominees. Calais Campbell. Uh, Andre Whitworth. Yeah, a lot Kyle of Kyle Van Noy, right? Uh Malcolm Jenkins, Bobby. Do you know Wagner. that he goes and speak? Do you know that Richard goes and speaks to like the juveniles? I think like every other week. Yeah, I, so I started reading about him <laughs> just because of this thing. I started reading about what he does. So I think he's it's impressive. It's not the only thing he does either. But he's just he's always been in it. Like you talk to people. I have a buddy who played with him at Stanford. He's just always he's always loved Richard. Um, so I don't know. I'm not saying it's that, a lifetime video achievement that- award. I'm just saying. He's been so valuable to the league for so long. Now he's really valuable to the Niners. I think he's got a legit chance. Were there any other names that stood out to you? Like the Whitworth well, it's one hard to is one know guy that's kind of been in the mix. Because, yeah. you know, you can't do How it do they quantify, like... So I don't know what everybody yeah, here right. is doing. Mike Evans. You're right. 
Kyle Rudolph. It it do, it does feel without. Remember Rudolph had the one. Remember there was a thing last year during the playoffs, or maybe two years ago. The maybe the Vikings tweeted it out like he goes and visits the that hospital like every week. The, can, the cancer. And like every kid there wrote all these articles to yeah. him, and he read the thing, and he's crying. It's like God. I, and I think just Richard guys like Rudolph Whitworth. It's easy because negativity sells, and I, I'm guilty as anybody, but the amount of high-level guys in the NFL is just dwarfs the amount of slapdicks. I mean, it really does. And the guys like Richard, Whitworth, whoever ends up, Witten, I mean, he might have been bad as the Monday Night Broadcaster, but Jason Witten could, like, run a company. Richard Sherman could. These guys, whatever they choose to do, they would be dominating in what they chose to do. Like, these... This is like the highest level of Americans. <laughs> Richard Sherman, when you factor in, dude came from nothing, went to Stanford, became an all-pro in the NFL, does all this shit off the field. It's just, like you said, everyone that meets him knows him. Even the guys that think they hate him, once they get to know him, they're like, God, I wanted to hate him, but shit, he's just so cool. I know. I think Joe's kind of summed it up perfectly, speaking for just most people probably around this area. It's like, I can't like Richard. And then you get to know him, you're like, ugh. Like, I... I think it would be on a it dwarfed the level of like Dodger fans like I hate Bumgarner. Well, I don't know if Bumgarner is really going to galvanize you. Like you're not going to say anything, right? I did so, see like, that people like, like Dodger fans would hate this. It's like no, they wouldn't. Would you hate if Clayton Kershaw was still? Would you hate signing Clayton Kershaw if you were like no? You would love it. No, but but I think the difference is is Richard is just so open and just so yeah he talks yes. a lot. Yes. You know, it's just a different relationship you have as a fan. You feel like you kind of intimately know the guy. Well, he's been you know, involved in your life, right, a lot. Vocally, you know, football-wise, like the whole package. And then you see these stories, you're like, God. Honestly, it makes you kind of think, like, what can I do, you know? Like, I, I drop off some clothes at the at the Goodwill, you and go. it's like, can I do more? Uh, you can tell people about Ease, John. That, that helps people. Ease.com, promo code HAM. Let's take this opportunity to sell something. Ease.com, promo code HAM, or EaseWellness.com. Promo code ham. That's the way to go. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot of deals, guy, right now on uh, my friends at Ease, our friends at Ease. Holiday special. What's the date today? Thirteenth. So Friday ended. the thirteenth. But, but we've had oh, great deals ended. going all week. <laughs> yeah, this is the fifth through the twelfth. Uh, Ease dot com. Promo code ham. Pre rolls, vapes, edibles, sleep aids. You name it, they got it. Just go to Ease dot com. Best delivery in the biz, guy. Ease dot com. Like DoorDash of cannabis delivery. I'm a big set for, fan of sour diesel uh, vapes and uh, my sour diesel sativa edibles. They're very, very easy and they uh, they help you feel better. So ease.com promo. You take them, you start thinking about how you can make the world a better place. I know. Any, or it makes you like it makes you depressed because you realize you didn't do that as much as Richard. Anyone 21 and over can get verified online in minutes. Then you start browsing the vast selection and then you just watch the clock countdown to a friendly driver arriving in minutes not hours or days that's ease.com easewellness.com the nationwide cbd shipment to your door two three days uh promo code ham 20 bucks off your first delivery podcast also brought to you by box of awesome box of awesome.com promo code ham get you uh what 20 percent off your first box can't beat a guy uh the average box Costs has over seventy dollars worth of gear. Costs under forty five dollars. Uh, you've been using it. I've been using it. They've sent us 
from knives to bags. I know we've both used the overnight bag. I'm sure you know you'll be traveling over this next week, be using that overnight bag. Love our friends at boxofawesome.com. Promo code ham guy to get your twenty percent off. You can't beat it. Boxofawesome.com. Promo code. They help you upgrade your style or your apartment, uh, whether it's the bag you mentioned, barrel aging kits, limited edition cigars, um, all kinds of essential goods and guidance for the modern man, giving you stuff you didn't know you needed. And if the great part is you get an email, it gives you five days. You go, oh, I don't want that, or I want to skip the box this month, or I want to change a color or a size. You can do all of it. You're in total control. Boxofawesome.com. Code ham at checkout. 20% off your first box. Uh, okay, final game at the Coliseum for the Oakland Raiders, John. I think we're pretty sure of this. Um, I saw. Uh, I saw. I've been seeing pro- uh, progress photos of the new stadium in Vegas. A lot of people are predicting it's going to be done in time. Although there is, I saw Kawakami said there is an option on the Coliseum for the Raiders in 2020, but um, they're borrowing money to pay off debts and uh, they're ready to move. This is it, <clears throat> Raiders Jags. This is how this is how it ends. Yeah, I, I do feel sorry for the Raider fans that you get to go out on the Jaguars. Now you could say this team's not very good, so if you gave them like the Chiefs, it could be ugly. If you had gave them a good team, they might get beat. But I don't know the Jaguar the Jaguars. Kind of bull. Kind of I bullshit, also, you know, you and I have been talking about this move for so many years. I'm I'm just moved out. Like my takes of just feeling like they've been gone forever. It's just one of the more bizarre. I mean, it's the first NFL move, the modern day moves where a team moves but doesn't actually leave for years. <laughs> They're just stuck, and they just continue to lose. I saw the Dubow tweeted something out that in the 25 years they've been here, the only team that's made the playoffs less times has been the Cleveland Browns. Raiders have made it four. They've made it one. God. So, I mean, I'm not trying to be negative Nancy on their way out, but I don't think, like, part of their legacy, this this return and this 25-year run has been an abysmal product. I mean, they have been one of the laughing stocks of the league on and off the field, but really more on the field, right? It's just terrible football year after year after year. I mean, terrible fucking football. Their defense statistically – is one of the worst in the league. They're giving up, losing games, game after game by 20 to 30 points. Just kind of a sad way. But it's very Raider. I mean, why, why wouldn't they go out like this? If you just look at their history, they lose all the time. Why wouldn't they lose on their way out? You, I think we thought it might be different under Gruden yeah. when they quote-unquote first signed him, but you know, he's got 10 wins in two years. I guess uh, Mark and the city don't have to uh, fight over the uh, parade costs. No, Remember that no. conversation? That uh, wasn't real. But, yeah, man, I, I I think it's just so much of their legacy is tied to not winning. But just that everybody know If you know a Raider fan, odds are they're a generational Raider fan. In part because they haven't won enough to just, like, get the hype and just pick up a bunch of random fans, right? Most Raider fans, and part of what makes, I think, their fan— What I was thinking about, like, what makes their fan base— what about Raider fan base is cool? I think one part of it is that it has taken quite a bit of loyalty. And so because they haven't been great, I know, it's fan, Raider fans have been through some shit. It's like, yeah, we stayed married even though uh, we both cheated on each other seven times. I and know. It was a rocky road. But, but, but <laughs> what that has created is, like, the fans are generally, I think, generational. Not that most other – I think most fan bases are generational. But they've never Hashtag been – Hashtag ride or die. They've never been so cool that just, like, a bunch of eight-year-olds like, ah, oh, i got to become Raider fan. There was a year 
in recent memory when that happened, right? In recent memory. Yeah. It was like, oh, they are cool. They got they got triplets, they got Carr, and they got Amari, and they got Mac, and Jack is out there dropping his nuts on people, just teabagging teams. like Making the playoffs. Remember when Jack was going for it uh, against the Saints week one? It was like, all right, here we go. Um, so Remember like the very next season, down 10, second half, he's like punting. It's like, Jack, what happened to the gunslinger? Yeah. So was the Ravens? Remember the Ravens game when he punted with like eight minutes left? I do remember that. <laughs> we're like, Jack, uh, now you're getting a little tight here when you're two and three. What's going on here, buddy? So and now uh, think about this. A couple so, years but, later, him and Derek argue on Twitter. I know. But what I was going to say is that like I was talking to my buddy Vic at the gym the other day who grew up. His dad was an usher Haver? at the Coliseum. He always hits me with the hey behaves when I come into the gym. And, um, uh, you know, I think that's a lot of the people who he's, he's going to the game. And I think that's a lot. You just get a lot of that. Like, even though it was shitty, it was ours and we shared it. And um, that's that's still special. But, you know, now it's broken. I, I keep thinking like, God, they should just, are they going to blow the Coliseum up once they leave? And then I realize, like, yeah, they ace still play here. <laughs> that's their dumb. No. The place is just, I mean, you've spent a lot, of, probably more time there than me. I mean, it's just a shithole. <laughs> There's just no way around it. It's, it's a dump, you know, and you go to these other places. It's not just Levi's. You just go to other football stadiums, and you're like, this place is really, really bad, you know? And it's holding on by a thread with the A's attempting to build some new place. We'll see. Part of, To me, a huge part of their legacy is just, and this is part of the A's legacy too, the difference is they never left. It's just you know there's flo- there's shit water flowing out. It's just it's just a it's a dump, you know. It's what coaches keep talking about that the place is a dump. But I was watching. I stumbled upon Belichick's press conference this morning, and I'll just hang for like two questions to see what kind of mood he's in. And this guy, the second question I'm watching was like, Coach, listen. He kind of prefaces it with, I know you're on to Cincinnati and you're focused on this week, but this is the last week of the Coliseum. I'm like, I wonder if Belichick, you know, is a history buff. I bet he's going to talk about it. He's not just going to push this question off. He's like, what are your thoughts on the Raiders leaving in the Coliseum? And he's like, yeah, we're focused on Cincinnati. But, and then he just started talking. And he's like, you know, I always, he, he went back to like the 70s, 1978 when he worked for the Broncos. He's like, that fucking place was scary. He's like, the black hole. You just felt on edge in that place. He's like, you tell your players not to stand too close to you. You might get projectiles thrown at you. And you could just, as a lover of football, he valued the passion of the fans in that place. Yeah. And the, there's going to be no black hole in Vegas. You know, Mark Bedane used to tell when we worked at the radio station a couple things. He wanted to distance themselves from the word Oakland, just say the word Raiders. Uh, they're big on, they're going to try to rebrand it as less, you know, black hole, paint your face, gangy. You know, I mean, their gang affiliations has been a huge thing with the Raiders, and they they want to be much more like the Dallas. I'm not; they're not going to be the Dallas, but they just want to be more of a fun-loving brand. And I think they're going to desperately attempt to rebrand. I just don't know if you really can at this point, like, because Coward said something this morning. He had Peter King, who must be in L.A. because he was in studio, and Collins like, I still think that the Raiders have won a top ten brand in the NFL. At first, I was like, you know, I disagree with that. But then I do think, like, when you do say the Raiders, they do invoke, if you just say it to a, a casual human, it does create, like, you do have a thought about the brand, whether it's right or wrong. 
Yeah, but you know what? I think now they're at a point where they do have to win or do something. I don't think that lasts. I agree. In That's where I disagree Because the people that come are. are the people that remember Al and remember that they were the renegades. Like, when as those people get older and older and older, that is going to go with them unless the Raiders back it up. Well, that's what Belichick brought up. The first thing he brought up was not like, you know, they've had all these great teams the last 20 years. We always played them. No, he brought up 1978, those Madden Stabler teams in the peak of their powers. That's, to him, that's what resonates, right? Because that's kind of what resonates with most people. Or is that run with John Madden in the 70s? Because since then, they did win a couple Super Bowls. What sucks for them is their Super Bowls they won in L.A. And even Belichick brought this up. He's like, you know, the crowds in L.A. were never great. You know, it was actually kind of like, whoa, that's not a, this is a guy that's actually on like a, a the troops on the ground mm-hmm. saying like, probably thinking like, you guys sending two teams to LA. I bet Belichick was like, you guys are idiots, <laughs> you know, but it's just, it was different in Oakland. There was a passion. You and I were going to games with Dennis Allen. They sucked and it was still, I mean, the people at least cared, you know, they, they did have a pretty loyal fan base. Yep. Uh, all right. You want to hit some? I actually got a lot of headlines. We could uh, put a timer on them all because there's a lot to kind of rattle through, if you want. Just go rapid fire. Yeah. All right. You want to go first? I always go first. You pick one. Okay. Uh, well, I got the President's Cup on in the background. I do think, and I tr- and we've talked about this before, but Tiger Woods clearly is as healthy as he's been. I know he got healthy early on last year, but he looks fucking fantastic. Like, if, if he can just stay healthy and make it to the Masters, like, how, how is he not the betting favorite? He looks great, doesn't he? And I we wondered, <laughs> not only is... It turns out that Tiger doesn't have to be the most dominant player in golf to be super valuable to golf. He just got to be around it enough that we can all believe going into a tournament that he has a chance. And now he's the... I mean, he's back to being... Because Spieth, who was going to be the next guy, is kind of... He's fallen off. Guy, he didn't make the Presidents' Cup. Well, I'm not even talking about the Presidents' Cup. I'm just saying, like, big picture, who's the face of golf right now? Is it Kepka? Yeah, Is probably. It DJ? I mean, it's, it's Tiger. And you'd say Kepka because it's not Ricky. It's not Justin Spieth. It's not, like, all the – every year it's like, who's the next guy that's going to step up? DJ. It's funny, in golf, you can be, like, terrible for a year and still be a top-five player. Um, but, dude, it's Tiger and Kepka who can't make it. Kepka's busy. "Quote unquote knee surgery, groin gr- 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 strain, maybe." Uh, I, I, I do think, and just watching Tiger and really his last like several years, I think him changing his personality and just getting to know these guys a little bit more has made it more fun for him. In the sense of like, I want to keep playing because I like being around these guys and slash competing against them. Where before he was just a robot. Because the Golf Channel tweeted out this thing of Finau who is one of the members of this team, and they like, do you have any good Tiger stories? He's like, yeah, actually I do. I've never told this. Did you see that? No. He played with them the Sunday of the Masters. It was, remember, because they had to tee off early because of the rain. So it was him, Molinari, and Tiger. He's like, this guy's my hero. This is the reason I'm playing. He's like, I, I realized, besides shaking his hand before we tee off, we hadn't said a word to each other. So he's like, it's hole nine. We're all tied. He's like, but you still spend a lot of time just walking down the course. So I, I end up on hole nine. We're shoulder to shoulder. So I'm like, fuck, I'm just going to small talk. I look at him. I go, Tiger, how are the kids? And Tiger just looks at him, 
fine. And he says he doesn't look at him again, and he just keeps walking. And Tony's like, well, fuck, he ends up winning the Masters. He's just locked in. But <laughs> I think he's done a better job of, like, balancing this crazy killer and just this cool guy that's around these guys. And the moment he had with Justin Thomas hugging him. Did you see what Justin Thomas screamed? No. And Tiger screamed back at him. They must have been talking about it on the plane ride over. The Terrell Owens, I like me some me. Justin Thomas started screaming, I like me some me. And Tiger screaming, I like me some me. It must have been an inside joke. But they were screaming that at each other. That's fantastic. I like me some me. Golf is just a crazy sport because you're just no, I mean, it's just all about yourself. But in these team events, it's kind of cool. I'd be okay losing him. the President's Cup if I just got four days of those two playing together and them kicking ass. I would trade that. I would say Justin is one of the faces of golf right now, probably yeah. more than Spieth. Yes. And probably a little less than Kepka, just because Kepka's gone a little more mainstream, just like with a casual totally. sports fan, right? Totally. Just kind of become kind of a bro. Yeah. And I, th- he's good for golf because DJ's a bro, but he doesn't. DJ doesn't talk. He's got no like. Kepka will just talk some shit. Like, what do you think of Rory? Yeah, we're not a rivalry. I kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, know, he just. He, but he, I don't even think he's being a dick. He's just kind of matter of fact. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. All right, headline: Saban and Belichick. One thing I was going to ask you about: How about Bill? So Bill and Nick are sitting there, and Nick is kind of complaining. He's like. You know what's crazy to me is all these NFL scouts and GMs and they draft guys and I think now why did you draft that guy there if you just asked me I would have told you Bill uh, Nick said basically you and one or two other people ask me for my opinions on my players I bet it's I bet it's Ozzie Newsom how is that possible well, it's like, yeah, well it's like Nick well I, I'll say how it's possible one those two know you really well so they can call you and have a normal conversation I all in my short experience. Head coaches give bad information if you don't know them that well because they're going to be positive. So Nick's acting like, I'm giving guys the truth. Are you really, Nick? Because you want the guy to get drafted high. It looks better on you. <clears throat> yeah, you'll give Belichick the fucking the deets. Because I, I talked to a buddy on the phone a couple months ago, and he said the hard part about Alabama is there's always a little something left. You're like, well, did we really get all the information? Because when a guy gets arrested for a gun charge, it never gets out. You notice Reuben Foster when he started getting in trouble? In the NFL. You didn't hear many peeps about Reuben Foster when he was at Alabama. Yeah, and, wh- and what's his think? name, the running back? Trent. Yeah, Richardson. And uh, Rolando McClain. Like he, they had a lot of guys over the years that was like, oh, this is a good guy. And then he, and then three, you know, a year later, he has three arrests. And I... So it's, yeah, Nick, it's, it sounds cool, and everyone's like, oh, moron scouts? Well, one, if I'm John Middlecoff doing this out, I call Nick. He might, one, not even take my call. And two, if he doesn't know me that well, is he going to trust me telling, like, you know that Reuben Foster, he got arrested three times for weed and guns? Yeah, but here's, here's what I would say. You've been a, if you've been a GM in the league for eight years, yeah, you yeah, know Alabama's got a lot of good players. wouldn't hurt you to get to a point where Nick Saban trusts you enough to tell you something. I would say it would have been, if you had been a GM for a long period of time, if you don't make an effort to get to probably know, like, whoever Ohio State and Alabama's coaches over the last 10 years, you're doing yourself a disservice as a drafter, right? Because more than likely, they're producing, on average, five first-rounders a year. That's 10 of the 32 guys. You better fucking know these programs. You are doing yourself a disservice to me if you don't make a school call as a GM to that place. Just to introduce yourself, meet the coach. 
Like, you could probably just take a day during the fall, fly down there on, like, a Wednesday. Attend practice. Like, you know how guys just appreciate when they see you at practice. Right. Not be, just because, hell, they might come bullshit with you, right? They just want someone to talk to. Right. Like, Saban, for every clip of him screaming at people, he ain't screaming the full two-hour practice, you know? They get him good there. He's yeah. also kind of talking to people and on the phone and just doing different shit. That's the difference, wouldn't you say, between football in the NFL and college. In the NFL, there ain't much like the head coach bullshitting. In college, you know, he just sees the AD, he goes talks to him. He, he might see a buddy, he goes talks to him. Oh, he sees an NFL scout that he knows, he goes talks to him. Like, I've been to a lot of NFL practices. I haven't seen just a Shanahan and Harbaugh and Andy just casually go talk. You know, it's, it's, it's just different, you know? Not in a bad way. I would probably like the college more because I, I get bored of practice like they do. How about Bill being embarrassed when uh, uh, Cougar Linda kisses him on the – Bill's like, the camera's right. You could tell. He's like, the camera is right there. Can we not do the, the PDA, please? It was – how about just the way God and the world or whatever you believe works that Saban, before Bill knew fucking anything about him, ends up getting a job – that he works in the same office as Bill's Crazy. dad. And then they have him over to stay there. And then Bill, younger guy, probably not making that much money, just comes to see his parents for a week, and they just just kind of hit it off. Yep. They're just, you know, it's just the, the randomness of that not being Steve Belichick, but being Bill Haberman, the coach at some other school. You know, yep. just who knows? Bill Haberman could coach. <laughs> you probably could. Love snacks, though. Took a lot of snack breaks. Can you imagine those two conversations? Oh. It's just, yeah. Just the clip. The clip of uh, Miss Terry telling the story. I love that Saban calls his wife Miss Terry about how she's like, "Now, would you look? How lucky am I? Bill Belichick and Nick Saban in the same room." That was pretty funny because it made I, Bill I laugh. Th- That's why I enjoyed that. It, yeah, it did make Bill laugh. I. Yeah, just. What do you think of Bill's? Golf how about swing? Bill? How about Bill being a head coach in college at Toledo? And leaving to become a defensive coordinator. Like yeah. that's, that's pretty unheard of now because his mindset was right. It was much harder probably to go non-Power 5 to Power 5 back then. I think now you probably wouldn't make that move, right? Because if he just won a couple years there, he would get a normal job. Unless you really want to be in the NFL. But remember, he kind of said like he wanted to be a college head yeah. coach probably more than an NFL head coach. But Bill just told him, like, it's going to be easier to get a job. And Bill was ultimately right because we became the Michigan State head coach from that and then never looked back. It's just crazy. I also see this sometimes. When you're an assistant coach at a place, and maybe coaches do know this at the time, but some coaches are just in this tunnel vision, I'm assistant. Like, you are also around the AD and other important people at the program. Like, you can leave a pretty big lasting impression if you're there for a year or two before you bounce to your next job that – if you go on to have success, they'll always call you back. Well, because he was he was an assistant at Michigan State when he was younger. Fresno State's probably going to hire this guy who's an OC at Indiana to replace Tedford, who was there for two years as their OC and then left. He's probably getting yeah. the job because Tedford has to quit, and they just know him, and they know him, right? And Tedford probably is endorsing him and all that. But yeah, they they know him. They just I think it's pretty crazy when you're an AD and you hire somebody you don't know. Not that that's the wrong thing to do. Or even if you're an owner and you hire somebody, it's just, you really, okay, great. You had a couple three-hour interviews and you've gotten some recommendations, but there's still a lot there that you just, you'll know that person so much better in a month, right? Than you did. I, 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 
I heard I got a name, a sleeper name. Can't bring it up yet, but I I just I keep an eye out. I keep an eye out on what job? Fresno State. Oh, okay, is it the one I know? But you're right. Is I mean that the, is it yeah, my guy. I mean everyone, every yeah, everyone will know him. But the, the OC one makes a lot of sense. I'm not. It feels like it's headed that way. Well, the crazy thing in does, California, but. as we're recording this on the 13th, is they can't even hire anybody till the 20th because they have to post the job for two weeks as a state school in case you or I want to apply. You know, can't. It's so stupid. It's like, guys, this, oh this is not some fucking professor job. Like, or, or, guy, this isn't some high school. I mean, this is first, This is a $2 million job. This isn't just some random guy's not applying on the internet. Well, by the way... Are, are we going through all the resumes just to make sure we're covering all our bait? No one's even doing that. It's a waste of time. Are you sure? You don't think they have to do that? Well, somebody probably has to sign off that they did it, but there's no effing way. What a waste of is time. There a Rooney, is there a Rooney rule in college football? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think there is either. So, anyway. All right, what else? Uh, The Giants put the bullpens in the outfield? Yeah. So triples alley doesn't exist anymore, right? Well, it's four twenty one to four fifteen, I think. So it's a little shorter. To me, we talk about so we spent so much time talking about triples alley. They brought center field in to three ninety one, which, which was I think it was four hundred. Okay, four hundred one, four hundred. I can dig that more home runs. I don't. I was texting with a boy. Dick. A lot of guys against the Giants though hit the ball there. Too. I know. Well, D- Dickinson <laughs> was telling me he's like because he wa- he's watched every Giants game in person since nineteen ninety eight. Uh, he's like, you know, the problem is center field's already the live part of the park. Like center field's not a problem. Guys hit it out to center field. So it's kind of, he thinks it's going to kind of make it cheap in center, which I don't, 391 does feel shallow to me for center field. It does? Yeah. I'd like a 397 would make me feel good. And I know you'll make fun of me for adding six feet and acting like that makes a difference, but that's just, you think it does. Well, I don't know. It just feels right to me. Like, what would you get? Like what's Oakland's like 420? Hard to hit a home run in Oakland. Straightaway center's not no, it's not four twenty. The gap in right's tough because the wall's high. That's the other thing. The wall is going to yeah. be a foot shorter. I saw Shulman say in center field. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it just looks cool though. You know, it does. It does look cool. You got to get rid of the cool bullpen. Guys, run out. Yeah, and you got to be. Guys. You got to get rid of those bullpens down the line. I understand. Would you say that Scott Boris had one of the great seven day stretches of in agent history? I, do you think there's any point where his wife is like Scott? Maybe this is the year we call it quits. <laughs> Scott's like, I'm at the top of my game. I'm not calling it quits. According to my math, he gets, and I've had multiple people say this because I think it was an article that rumor is he gets 5%, which is really, really high. Like NFL agents get like two and a half, three max. A lot of, some take two. So he gets five, which does make a little sense. Like I'm going to take a little bit more because I'm going to get you dramatically more cash than the next agent. Though I think if you're like Anthony Rendon, like you wouldn't get 220 million on the open market or whatever. But whatever, you feel comfortable with the guy. He's nuts. Maybe you just kind of like you're like I pay for just like being able to call him. <laughs> you know, whatever. Maybe they like him. Three contracts he signed: Strasburg, Rendon, Garrett Cole. Again, my math: 40 million dollars he made Woo! in a week. In a week. So you're right. Like after Harper, like. What's he still doing this for? The chase? The, maybe just too easy to Did you money? see the photo of his press conference at the winter meetings in San Diego? See, well, did you see the color of his hair? It's like Scott. I mean, fuck. Let's let's use a little different hair. I just saw somebody here. said, "Can we get some like orange. Can we get some speakers here, please?" Cuz this is like 40 people deep. No one can hear anything. He's uh he dyed his hair for the kid. big day. I don't blame him. 
He's a killer. It goes to I, show you know, the hair <laughs> color is one thing. Now, I don't understand. Maybe someone can explain this to me. Women look great with dyed hair, but men look awful. I agree. I agree. I saw someone tweet Why it out. Because it's short? The, I saw someone tweet out. It's the four-year anniversary of Coward taking his job with Fox and his hair color. And he showed the clip. It was like, God, Colin. Was that the... Because uh, it looked... Show, was, it, was it when he showed up for the first like pregame show at Michigan, Utah or something? <laughs> no, it was like the next week when he actually hosted the show. Like his own radio yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his, to me, his hair looks like... If you're a good-looking guy and you just have gray hair, like it's a good look. But I gave him credit. Right. He came out and was like, hey, I colored my hair. Obviously, you can't hide from that It one. backfired. Yeah, it backfired. <laughs> uh, it is what it is. I, you know, I tried it out. I'm in LA. I gave it a shot. That's fine. Yeah, I just... The men go overboard for sure. I think maybe because so I need a stylist to explain. Maybe because the hair is short, it's easier to tell where there's because you can see the scalp. The color looks faker. I don't know. I, I just when I saw Boris, it looked closer to orange than a normal hair. Color. Have you ever heard the phrase blue hairs? No. Like I'd never heard it, and then someone years ago I heard that for the first time, and I guess it meant like old people. I guess it used to be like when old, when women would dye their white hair, it would like when it needed to be done again, it would kind of get this bluish tint to it. Maybe that's still the way it is, but there's a there's a phrase for you that I'd never heard. But the blue hairs, I got a lot of blue hairs never, at this game. I've never heard of that either. Um, how about this little nug for you? So we got to get to some games here for the weekend, just big games. But so you know, you know Benjamin, the running back at ASU, declared for the NFL draft. Yeah. Yep. Um, learned his spin move from L- LT taught him the, his spin move. Growing he up from in San high Diego? school, uh, no, he's from Texas. Oh, but like, Texas, El, but yeah. like, his trainer is like tight with LT, and LT came out, and gotcha. taught him this, whatever. So I was talking to somebody. They're like, you know, if you're going to be a running back, if you can be like a top four round guy, you should go. And I said, okay, but I would argue if you're just good, you should go because a, it's hard. There's a and it's a good running back class this year. Running backs, top four round guy basically means rounds two through. Four, like because only one guy's probably goes in the first round, two guys max, and you just have such a limited of all the positions time of earning. So what? You can't replace you can't replace your tires. So what? Yeah, exactly. So what if you're the eighth best, ninth, tenth best running back in a draft? You just have to be one of the two or three best guys on a team, like Philip Lindsay, right? You don't have to be better. Guy Matt Bray is an undrafted free agent. Don't you think it worked out for him? So here's the. So I just went back. I was curious. I'm like, does that argument hold up for Eno Benjamin? So I went and looked. Eno, as a sophomore, were people saying that he should have returned? No, no, no. I just think that I'm just saying that conversation about running backs, like, oh, if you're a top four-round guy, you should go. And my I, argument's like, I, I, I kind of feel like you, if you're just you. good enough to start making money, you should go. If you're going to make a team. Yeah. yeah. So, which is hard to know. But his sophomore year, Johnny, had 300 carries. This last year, his junior year, he had 253 carries. Okay? 253. Mm-hmm. Through, and he hasn't played the ball. 12 games, 253. Well, the math works out pretty well because we just finished week 13 and we're going into week 14. So he's basically played, to this point, the NFL players have played a college season. The leading rusher in terms of carries in the NFL right now is Nick Chubb. He has the same exact number of carries as Eno Benjamin had at ASU this year, 253. That guy wasn't just playing college football and adding a year. He was adding almost NFL seasons to his carry. Like, Herm Edwards uses the running back. Is he going to play in the bowl game? Uh, you read? know, I don't know. I know you're like because that would be one thing I'd recommend. I would say, well, you know, I bet you probably like your team. I would take the Nikhil Harry yeah. and not play. 
That was that's good fucking math by you though. Yeah, I'm, I I like the Haberman philosophy. So you're too accurate in college. Red flag you if you're an if you're an NFL running back. <laughs> it doesn't you don't need to be Christian McCaffrey if you're just gonna play in the league. Just go if it's time if you're good enough. I I, I like that philosophy. You want to go rapid fire games? Yep, hit it. Packers Bears games in Green Bay. Do you know Mitch Trubisky has better stats than Aaron Rodgers like the last four weeks? Bears are kind of heating up. I would like to see the Bears win this game. Packers control their own destiny for a bye, first-round bye. If they win out, they're going to be that at least the two-seed. It seems crazy because you're like, is Green Bay even been that good this year? But, fuck, they're 10-3. and three, I know? mean, so, <laughs> Bears are getting into a situation where they're going to have to pick up the option on Mitchell, right? And maybe they'll be happy about it. I don't know. Well, but these to me, these last three games, like if he just if he continues and they win two of these last three games, or hell, they win all three, right? And they just they're ten and six. You do it if he looks shitty in two of the three games against the Bears or the Packers and the uh, and the Vikings. I think you have to have a tough conversation. The thing that becomes interesting to me is you do it, and then we're what we're a month into next season. He's playing well. What do you do then? Well, they it had it. They specifically had it happen with, and they traded the guy, Kyle Fuller. Yeah. Remember, they didn't pick it up, and then he balled, and then they just signed him. Oh, and then right. they like him. That's right. So Who, I, oh, I was thinking of. Didn't they have a guy? They did. He, they end up trading him. A player that they didn't like. Yeah, I could be wrong. They about they, they, they have been that's the situation. Fr- I was thinking of. They have been. I would you, frugal. Like they they've been the least likely team that if if you show any signs of not being good they just won't pick it up the quarterback is different because right now doesn't it feel like 60 40 they're gonna pick it up just he's a quarterback you know yeah he's been good he like he has enough moments where you're like well this guy doesn't suck you know but he can have games where he does really suck i i think these next three weeks are huge for them because if they go 10 and 6 and he somehow gets them like in the mix for the playoffs because they're not dead yet, but they feel dead. That's what's weird about them. Right. Um, Titans-Texans. I, I think it might be the most important game of the weekend. Both 8-5. and five. Yeah, I mean, whoever wins this game, I guess you would probably lean Tennessee because it's in Tennessee. Who won the first meeting? They haven't played. They've well, they played twice in the last three weeks. Oh, that's fantastic. That's what makes... That's where if somehow the Seattle-Niner game doesn't end up meaning anything, that's the game to keep an eye on. Ryan Tannehill's played himself into at minimum a franchise tag. He'd be one of the rare guys just like, I got franchise tag? <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's – and then the other two games would be the Rams at Dallas. Mm-hmm. I heard a stat. You know since acquiring Jalen Ramsey, the Rams have the best scoring defense in the league, like 15 points. Wow. Their defense has been pretty good. Their problem had been Jared, and their offense the last couple weeks have been good. You know, Dallas – Dallas are really just going to quit. They've lost three straight games. Are they just going to keep losing? I don't know why you'd say they'd start winning. They've looked terrible. It's just kind of an interesting game. I don't really have a take. Like, I don't even have a good feel who's going to win. I'm looking at Rams favored by one and a half on the road. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird line. But the Cowboys have just been so shitty. How how would you pick the Cowboys? And then the the night game, Mm -hmm. because the Vikings and Chargers got flexed out of it, is is Josh Allen and Duck Hodges. That game's not great, but not terrible. No, it's John. Weird. So that game to me is actually, uh, I, I'm, I've, I'm, uh, I like that game. Who's the I'm more shocking eight and five team? The 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 Steelers or the Titans? 
Uh, Steelers. Just because Roethlisberger went out week one. Juju's been beat up, hasn't he? I mean. Yeah, James Conner's been hurt. So, yeah, they've had a bunch of injuries. Had to trade a first-round pick like week three for a player. I mean, they've just they've had a crazy action. Yeah. But the Bills, the Bills technically could lose out and all of a sudden miss the playoffs because there could be another 10-win team. They win this game they're in. John, this is like their swing game. Who would have guessed that the Niners would be favored by more points over the Falcons than the Patriots are favored by over the Bengals? It's a half point difference. Niners are 11, Bengals are... uh, Yeah, you would have said, if I would have said like week five, what would you guess the Patriot-Bengal line is week... What week is this, 15? You would have been like 20, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, hell, at the time they were undefeated. You thought they were great. You might have said like 25. You could have said 25 and it wouldn't have sounded that insane. Because wasn't there a game last year? Was it against the Dolphins or was it this year? They were a 22-point favorite. Yeah, they were a 22-point favorite. Week like three. That's you, You'd argue that's probably crazier. You should never be a 20-plus point favorite in September. Ever. And they, they wouldn't be now because the Dolphins are much better. Eli playing How about that week? play? I've forgotten about it, but that... That crazy comeback by Kenyon Drake against the Patriots when Belichick put Gronkowski in the back. Oh. And he's like, God, I fucked up. <laughs> and Gronk tries to catch him. He's oh. way slower. <laughs> Awful. He looks like Barry I Bonds. I forgot about that, that, too. Oh, <laughs> that was a bad loss. Um, how about... Like, hey, Gase, pull your hat up. Is Eli playing this week? Uh, yeah, I guess Shermer said this morning that he might just start the rest of the season. <laughs> As he should. Uh, but the record might go well under 500 then, guy. Because right now he's one game under. His career record? What difference does that make if you're under by one or under by three? Well, because he was a perfect 116 and 116. Well, I know, but now that he's lost that other game, what? whatever. Now he's under. It just, it, but Yeah, but 116 and 120 doesn't quite resonate like 118 and 118. I mean, if you're a competitor, John, you want to go... Uh, you want to play. You want to like, go Does play. Peyton Manning keep traveling to his games? Or he's like, well, we did it for the Eagles. But <laughs> who did the Giants even play? Uh, they play the Dolphins. Oh. I mean, Bochi is uh, career 26 games under 500, so, you know. It's it's right. When you're a champion, people don't. I don't think people blame Bochi for some years. Better managerial people, career, like- Bochi or <laughs> Eli as a quarterback? It feels like Eli gets way more blame for the shitty years than Bruce does for his shitty yeah, years. Yeah, because right? quarterbacks have a bigger impact on yeah. games than... Especially when Eli's like, yeah, a couple of the years I did throw 28 picks. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. On that note. Have a good weekend. Yep. May the peace be with you. Adios. See ya. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.